Good morning. As always, it's great to be in the house of the living God this morning. Can I get an amen? If you guys have your Bibles, make your way to the book of John. John chapter 10. And we're going to read three verses this morning. John chapter 10, verse 19 through 21. John chapter 10, 19 through 21. And once you find your place in your scriptures, as always, we ask you to please stand for the reading of God's holy word. We had a great rehearsal last night, and uh, we, ha we have actually two songs now that we have pretty much completed uh, for our new album. And hopefully, we'll get the other eight and then we'll get in the studio and record a new album. So we're working hard, but we're trying to be patient and, and try to uh, follow God's uh, lead on these songwritings. It's, it's not easy, but uh, it has to be done. So anyway, John chapter 10, verse 19 through 21. If you have your place, say amen. The Bible says, at these words... The Jews were again divided. Many, many of them said he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Speaking of Jesus, why listen to him? But others, the others said that these are not the saying of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let us pray. Holy Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Yeshua, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the only Messiah we have, and we praise you, Jesus, right now. We thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you, God, for the persecution that you endured so that we would have peace today. We thank you for your love that endures forever. We ask right now in the mighty name of Christ that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would fall fresh on these lips of clay. Holy God, I just ask that you would hide your servant behind the cross that no flesh may boast before you. Father, we came here for one purpose and one purpose, and that's, that's all, Lord, to hear from heaven, to hear from you, to take your word, to change us, to transform us into new people, Lord, that we may glorify you in each and everything we say and do. Lord, have your way now. We praise you in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen. And amen, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord Almighty. And so our text says, at these words, the Jews, they were again divided. And many of them said he is demon-possessed and raving mad. But you have the other side of the cross here, the other side, the other group. They're saying these are not the sayings of a man with the devil. These are basically the words from God. And I want to recall to your mind this morning some scriptures. First of all, Jesus talks about the two groups as well. We know in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, the Bible says to enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, 
and broad is the road that lead to destruction and many, many be there that find it, but straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life and only few be there that find it. And so we see the, the, the group of many and the group of the others, which is a small group. Now I'm going to remind you of some scriptures that Jesus said that will help you to understand our sermon today. First of all, in Mark 3, 24 through 26, Jesus says these words. Listen carefully. He said, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against that house, then the house cannot stand. And he, he also says, and if Satan is opposed against himself and is divided, he cannot stand and his end has come. And so you have to consider the words of Jesus throughout the scriptures. Are these the words of just a man? Are these the words of, of God himself manifested in the flesh? Or are these the words of the devil? Come on, say amen. And, and now before I give you the title of our sermon, I want to read just a couple more scriptures that, 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 that God has given me. But these scriptures here are going to give you a key into our sermon today. If you can get these scriptures here, you, you can get the entire message. It's found in the book of Philippians chapter 2, 1 and 2. Paul, Paul says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness or compassion, he said, then, then, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. And so with that said, our message today is simply entitled, Being of One Mind and of One Language. And I will explain that here in a little bit. But I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning and say, Neighbor, the Bible says... I didn't say this. The Bible says this. <laughs> a double-minded man is unstable in all that he does. So we as Christians have to remind ourselves that we have the mind of Christ. So let us stay in step with the Spirit of God. So let us stay in step with the Spirit of God. Say it again. So let us stay in step with the Spirit of God. Thank you very much. First of all, Paul says in Galatians 5 and 25, he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us what? Keep in step with the Spirit. Now, couple months ago, well, to be honest, it's been 11 weeks yesterday. But 11 weeks ago, I, I had purchased for myself something that's called a recurve bow. Now, when I say that, most of you are like, I don't know what that is. Well, if you ever watch any of the episodes of Alone, which is a survival show, and you know I've watched some, and, and, and these, these guys, they have something called a recurve bow, and they take it with them on survival. And it's a tool they use to take down game so they can eat. 
And so, as you know, I've been doing survival so over 15 years or whatever, but, but I've never learned how to shoot a bow. And so I went and, and, and I bought me a pretty nice one, about $124, got me into one. But, but here's the problem. I didn't know anything about shooting a bow. My dad had shot, showed me how to shoot a pistol, how to shoot a shotgun, and how to shoot a rifle, but never has showed me how to shoot a bow. And so just like most of you, if you're trying to learn something today, we, we go to YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so I went to YouTube, but here's what I found. I found that the recurve bow has its own language. And what I mean is that, that, that when I typed in that subject and, and they began to, to speak, they, they began to talk about the limbs, the riser, the shelf, the knocks, the drop shot, the anchor point, the finger toil, and the arm go- guard. And, and I'm thinking to myself, what are they even talking about? And so what I'm getting at is, is that I had to learn the language in, in order to understand the weaponry. Oh, this is good. I said, this is good. And so in the same way today, we are going to have to learn the language of God. We're going to have to learn His Word. Paul, he tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, this is the King James Version. He says, "For, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In other words, your flesh cannot understand the weaponry. You have to have the Spirit of God inside of you. Are you following me? And so it's the Spirit of God that that teaches us the Word of God. And when you have the Spirit of God and you have the mind of Christ and you have the Word of God, you have a a lethal combination against the devil. Are you with me so far? And and so we, we have to get in the right state of mind and we have to get an understanding of the knowledge. Now here here's what's interesting is is because when I was first saved in 97, which is not that long ago, but, but it's a while back. But, but when I first came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I'm on fire for God. And so I go to, to the radio stations to, to listen to the preachers. But, but I had a problem. Because the problem I had was that I, I didn't understand the language. Because the preacher, he, he talking about the backslide of the soul winner, sanctified, justified, exalted, set apart, hedge of protection, anointed, and the redeemed. And I'm thinking, what in the world are they even talking about? And so I had to spend hours in the Word. I had to spend time listening to hear the still, small voice of God, the same one that called me. I had to understand that the same one who called me is the same one who speaks to me. And, and you have to understand that, that, that Jesus tells us that, that my sheep listen to my voice. And he says in his word that I will teach you all things 
through my spirit. And, and so I had to, to, to back up a little bit. And I had to slow down and, 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 and take my time to go through the word. Because you see, you got a lot of preachers out there who, who are preaching the word but don't really know the word. Come on, amen. But, but you see, when, when, you, when you know the word, Jesus said, I am the word. When you know the word and the word knows you, and you spend time in his word, then all of a sudden you find that, that he will give you the power and the anointing to overcome all the power of the enemy. And nothing will harm you. Are you following me so far? And so I want to remind you that, that there's a lot of Christians that, that, that are trying to learn how to walk with God, but haven't spent time in his word and never have spent time in prayer even to tune into that voice. And you have to understand that God's language is all about truth. His language is all about the light. His language is all about love. His language is all about mercy and forgiveness. Are you listening to me this morning? Listen to what Paul says, Galatians 1, 11 and 12. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel that I preached was not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but rather... I received it by revelation. Everybody say revelation. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me so far? Romans 8, 14. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be Field. What are you hungry for today? And I said, my Bible tells you this, that God will give you the desires of your heart. Are you following me so far? And so in our text, I want you to see the first thing that I noticed. I noticed something that was not new, but, but rather it's the two ways, the two ways that men judge other men oh yes now now judging others is not a new subject men have been judging each other from the beginning but there's two ways that we judge one another we judge one another first of all by their words and then by their actions Jesus says these words Matthew 7 16 the first part you shall know them by their by their fruits And so in the same way today, you and I, when we stand before God, and we will, we will be held accountable for two things, our words and our actions. Let's look at this. Matthew 12, 36 and 37, Jesus said, but I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words, you shall be justified and by your words, you shall be condemned. Let's talk about the power of your words for just a moment. You see, with the power of your words, your words can enter into a covenant with the Most High God. And with that covenant, you can make with God today, if you've never made it. And you can make this covenant, and through this covenant, God will give you eternity in heaven. Paul says it like this, Romans 10, 9 and 10. 
He said, if you'll confess with your what? Your ear? No. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. But at the same time, by your actions, you can completely walk away from the truth and deny Jesus Christ ever lived, ever died for your sins and deny everything that the Bible teaches and you can enter into a covenant with death by your actions. Are you following me so far? Paul says it like this, 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each man, each woman, may receive what is due him for the things done in the body. Revelation 22, verse 12 through 14. Jesus said, Behold, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me. I will give each man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. I am the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end. Right there. Jesus just proclaimed that he is the son of the living God. He's the Alpha. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the last. There's none before him. There's none after him. In other words, we will stand before Christ and we will give an account for our words and our actions. Are, you, are, are, are your words lining up with your actions? Because it, it's easy to tell the world, I'm a Christian. But, but, but they're, they're going to judge you. And they're going to they're gonna compare your words to your your actions. Because if you're saying one thing and you're living another way, they're going to think he's either a liar or he's a backslidden. Come on, amen. And, and so what I'm saying today, let your words and your actions walk in agreement. You need to be in the same mind, in the same language, in the same heart, with Christ. We know 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul was saying, listen, I'm trying to follow not the example of the, the church or anything else. I'm trying to follow the king because my life needs to compare to his. He, he's the owner. He, he's the owner of my life. He's the only one I have that is life. And if I'm going to be a true Christian, I must follow the way, the truth, and the life. Are you following me so far? Now understand, in this story today, are y'all liking this so far? So far, th this is, to me, a, a great message. I'm, I think I'm, I'm really enjoying this. But, but in our story today, you have to understand that, that Jesus has accomplished something that has never, ever, in the history of the world, have been done before. He has just opened the eyes of a man who was born blind. Never saw the light. He's probably 40 years old and had never seen light before. Never seen his mom. Never saw his dad. Never saw his friend, his brothers, or sister. Never saw nothing. He's been blind his entire life and now Christ has opened his eyes and, and, and the people are divided. Now, now, if you can't see the fingerprint of God on this man's life, you're probably not going to see it. 
but, but here's a man who's never saw, but, but, but they're divided. And some saying that, that he's of the devil. Come on, amen. This, what Jesus has done is clearly a miracle from the Father. Because miracles on this earth cannot be accomplished by Carl or by me or Roger. It cannot happen unless God does it. And any time that God does a miracle, we are called to give him glory. Because he does the impossible. The Bible says what is impossible for man is possible for God. And so for me to save myself is impossible. All but with Jesus. All things are possible. Are you following me so far? And so in our story, we, we find that Jesus is dealing with the Jewish people. And what really threw them off is when Jesus got to the place when he begins to tell them who he really is. And so at this point in the scriptures is where Jesus begins to speak these words that every one of us, some of us have memorized, but every one of us knows it. In, the, in John chapter 10, verse 9 through 11, he begins like this. He says, I am the gate. And whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And at this point, he begins to identify the enemy that they're claiming he is. He says, the thief, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And then he says these words, I am the good shepherd. And the good, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And it, it was these words that brought division among the Jewish people who were listening. But these same words today, over 2,000 years, are still bringing division. If you don't believe me, then just go downtown, Roy City or Rockwall. Go to the mall in, 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 in uh, Mesquite. Go into Town East Mall. Find you a place by the rail and just proclaim as loud as you can that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. You go ahead and proclaim that and see how popular you will become. <laughs> Come on, amen. You know that not everybody is going to receive that message. Someone is going to say something against you. You know why? Because some people love the language of God. Some people love the Word of God, while the others, the many, hate it, despise it, and cannot tolerate it. Are you listening to me? And so in this same story, others are saying, has a devil. Others saying, he's from God. But listen to what Jesus said in John 12 and 46. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. He's telling us right here, listen, you were once darkness. You were once living the way the world lived. But, but, but I'm calling you to be the light of the world. And see, Light only comes from the light. 
You cannot produce light without the light. And so what I'm saying, if you can learn the language of God, learn His Word, learn what it means, and get an understanding through the revelations of the Holy Spirit, I can promise you, you may not think to yourself, I know what to say, but I, I know the Bible said, if I open my mouth, I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. See, you can't hide light. The, the moment that the Holy Spirit came inside of your heart, light moved in and darkness moved out. And so when darkness tries to come into your life, and he does, you and I as children of light have the responsibility to say to the devil, no. Do you know how easy it is to say no? It's only two letters, N. Oh, I'm no rocket scientist, but I understand what no means. You learn that as a kid when mama said no. And if you didn't learn no, she brings the rod of discipline. Come on, amen. And the same with you, when God tells you no, and you refuse to listen to that still small voice, I can promise you, he knows how to discipline his children. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I can tell you that our man or pastor has been in the woodshed many times. But listen to what Paul says, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 15. Are y'all liking this? Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? And what does a believer have in common with the unbeliever? The only thing that I have in common with the unbeliever was that I used to be just like you. That's the only thing. I used to be dead, but now I am alive. And so I, I like to quote, first of all, I want to quote the words from the man in this story. I want to go to what he said, because he was the one that was born blind, had never saw. Now, I'm going to use what he said before he was saved. Now, he was saved because he came to Jesus, or Jesus came to him, and he said, uh, do you believe in the Son of Man? He said, I do believe, but, but who is he? So I can be saved. And Jesus said, you're looking at him. Come on, amen. You're looking at him. I'm here right before you. I'm the one who opened your eyes. He didn't even know at this point. But I want you to listen to what he said in John 9, 24 through 25. This is the words of an unsaved man. Preaching better than some of y'all. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on, amen. He said a, a second time, this is the Pharisees, they, they summoned the man who had been born blind. He, they said, give glory to God. And so he does. By telling the truth, they said, we know this man is a sinner. Talking about Jesus. Listen to what he says. He says, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know is I was blind. Oh, but now I see. Hallelujah. I don't know much about Jesus, but I do know one thing. That, that if God is for me and God wants to touch me, he healed me. 
And it wasn't a man that did it. It had to be more than a man. This had to be the power from on high. you got to understand, I don't know if he sinned before or not. I don't care about that. But what matters is that I was blind, but now I see. In, in other words, you don't have to have a great philosophy. You don't even have to go to a cemetery, a seminary to get an education. If you can understand that, that you were blind, but now you see, you, you probably got enough theologian inside of you right at that point to lead someone to the Lord. Because you can come to a blind man, I'm talking about spiritually blind, and say, you know what? I don't have all the answers today, but I know someone who can save you right now. And they're going to say, who is it? Jesus. It's Jesus. Are you with me so far? Mm, this is good, good, good. And so throughout the entire Bible, throughout the entire Bible, we see that there is a common thread called division. You read the Bible from front to back, you're going to see one thing. Division. You're going to find in the very beginning there was two brothers, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel were divided. Cain killed his brother. Are you with me so far? You see that Jacob and Esau, they wrestled in the womb of their mother, Rebekah. While they're still in the womb, they wrestling. That's unbelievable, almost. We find that Noah in the world, we say that even Israel and Judah we're divided, same people, but split. And so in other words, there's always been darkness and light, good and evil, right and righteous, unrighteous. But Paul says something in Romans that we got to keep in mind today. He said these words in Romans 15, 4 through 6. Listen carefully. For everything, everybody say everything. For everything that was written in the past was written down to teach us so that through the endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we may have hope. May the God who gives endurance and courage give you a spirit of unity among yourself as you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to verse 6. So that with one heart, in one mouth, one language, you may glorify the God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm talking about being of one mind and one language. And so since everything was written in the past to teach us, we need to go back into the past. We need to go back a few generations and see what he's even talking about. And so let's go back to right after the flood. After the flood, all the wicked people were destroyed, correct? And so there was only eight people left. Noah and his wife. Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their wife. Are y'all in agreement with me? And at this point, God says, I want you to spread out across the world and be fruitful and multiply. But you see, it didn't take long before sin began to show its ugly face. Because we find that, that instead of spreading out and multiplying, the new generation, they begin to gather together in the land of Shinar. And they begin to build this great city, but in the middle of the center of this city, they said, we're going to build a tower. 
We're going to take this tower and we're going to build it all the way up into heaven. We know it as the Tower of Babel. Are you with me so far? And so pretty much at this time, everyone was on the same page because they all had the same language. They were all had the same purpose. But the problem was they had the wrong motives. So you might have the, a purpose, but is your purpose lined up with God? Is your will lined up with the will of the Father? Jesus said, if you're willing, Father, take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, uh, but what you will. And so what God had to do, God had to change their speech. See, in Genesis 11 and 1, it said, now the whole world had one language and one common speech. But they had the wrong motives, you see. And so we read in Genesis 11, 3 through 4, they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used the bricks instead of stone and tar for martyr. Then they said, come, let's build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. Listen. So that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. And since their motives and their hearts were wrong and their plans were wrong, God had to do something. And so what does God do? God came down and he changed their languages. Let's read this. Genesis 11, 5 through 8. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if, if as one people speaking in the same language they can begin to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them over all the earth and they stopped building the city. Now, here's something interesting that the Holy Spirit gave me. I began to look in, in, in the word confused. And see, what, what troubled me was that, that the Bible said that, that God confused their language. And see, the reason it bothered me it's because 1 Corinthians 14 and 33 said that God is not the author of confusion. Are you with me so far? But of peace as in all the churches of the saints. And so I went back to the King James Version and I found this word called confound. The Bible actually says when you look into the original language, it, it doesn't use the word confuse. But it uses the word confound, which simply means he acted against their expectations. And so he mixed up their language. He tampered with it to change it all together. Now, God is perfect and his ways are perfect. And so the languages that he gave them was perfect. You see, my, my brother, he's from India. He can speak Indian, American, and what else? Arab, Arabic. I can't even say Arabic. I told Miss Dola, I have two languages too, English and tongues. Come on, amen. And so he changed their language. In other words, the language that they had was not confused. It was perfect. It was perfect in every way. What was confused was not God, nor was his ways, but what was confused was the people. God knows exactly what it is. And what comes to my mind is Proverbs 16 and 9. It says, in his heart a man plans his course, 
but the Lord directs his steps. In other words, you may have a plan for your life today, but I promise you, God has a better one. In the moment that you tap into his plan and drop your plan to decide, you won't be confused. Because if you're confused about your direction, it's because you're listening to you and not that still small voice called the Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. And so just like today, now we're going to go a little deep. Can I go deep? In the church today, don't stone me for this. I won't say it. If someone speaks in a tongue, some men become confused while others accept it by faith. They don't understand it completely, but they know it's not of the devil. This is of God. And they have to, they have to step out by faith and understand that this is the mystery and it's from God. And so I may not can do it or may not understand it, but I can't condemn it because if I condemn it, I could be condemning something God's trying to do in your life. And, and so I'm going to try to bring it to to some clarity, I want to try to help you understand this thing called tongue, if I can help you. Paul says, first, first of all, 1 Corinthians 14 and 2. He says, for anyone who speaks in the tongue, he says, does not speak to men, but to God, indeed, no man understands him. Let me just break that down for you real quick. If you speak in tongues today, that's good. But I can promise you, the majority of us today, including myself, who speak in tongues and pray in tongues, we are divided because my flesh is saying, you know that's a lie. While my spirit is saying, go man, go. In other words, when you do the tongue, when you speak in this gift, even yourself will be divided because you can't understand what you're saying. And so Paul, he teaches us this word. He says, you need to pray that you interpret tongues so you can edify yourself and the church. Otherwise, you probably just need to be quiet. Because otherwise, if you're speaking in tongues for other people to hear you, then more than likely... You're trying to make a name for yourself. Oh, hallelujah. And so Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Mm. So he says these words, 1 Corinthians 14, 13. For this reason, anyone who speaks in tongues should pray that they may interpret what they say. 1 Corinthians 14, 27. Listen to this. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three at the most should speak. One at a time, and someone must interpret it. And so if you walk into a Pentecostal church, I'm not condemning them. I'm just trying to tell you the word. If you walk into a church, and everybody stands up, and everybody's praying in a tongue, then something's wrong because it just said if it happens, then no more than two or three should do it. And if they do, there should be an interpreter. See, God's not the author of confusion. So if a new believer walks in and he sees that, he may just turn around and walk out. He said, these people crazy. I mean, the first time I went to a Pentecostal church, I was like, what's going on in here? This is, come on, amen. But, but, but I did notice this. It made me feel uncomfortable. And I'm thinking to myself, something is not lining up because the Holy Spirit is not going to make me uncomfortable if he's in it. He's going to draw me to it. And so, 
I want to be like Paul. 1 Corinthians 14, 19. Listen to this. He said, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. In other words, I would rather say just five words if it'll help you. I could get up here and speak in tongues for an hour, but if you're going to walk out, you're not going to know anything. Why? Because you don't have interpretation. But why do we do it, Pastor? Because it builds you up. It builds you up. Sometimes I'm down here, you don't know what I'm doing, but I can promise you 80% of the time I'm in tongues. The reason I am because I need to tap into the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do what I'm doing before you right now, and that's preach to God, God's Word. I have to preach it in the power. I can't preach it in the flesh because the flesh cannot understand it. But Here's the key right here. Back to the Tower of Babel. Just because the languages that they spoke were not understandable, it did not change the fact that they were legit languages. But here's the language we all need to learn today. 1 Corinthians 13 and 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but have not loved, I'm only a resounding gong or a clangy cymbal. And so right here is showing us that there's two types of language. Men have a language, and God has his own language. And did you know that you can sing in tongues? I was writing a song the song today. I just, the last line of the, the chorus, I just sung it in tongue and recorded it. Me and Kristen, we played it like 20 times. Because even though we don't even know what I'm saying, there's anointing on it. You're like... And you're trying to under, you can't understand, but your spirit is jumping. When Jesus walked in, Mary walked in with Jesus. Come on. John the Baptist leaped. Come on, amen. Because the, the spirit recognizes the spirit. And if I ever spoke in tongues and you don't like it, don't get caught up in the flesh. Let the spirit touch your life. Let him move you. Because one day, when God says, it's your turn, you may not ever speak in tongues. My wife, she don't speak in tongues. It don't mean she ain't saved. It's just it's not her gift. But she can cook you a bad roast. But we need to learn the love language. We need to be of one mind, the mind of Christ. And we need to learn the language of love. Here's why. Because every nation across the world, they understand something called love. Love. You can be from China and you can walk in here and I hug your neck. You may not can speak English, but you understand that someone's loving on me. Or you can say, I, I want to pray for you. You bring them to the altar and you pray for them. They may not understand you, but they know it is done in love. Are you following me so far? But listen, here's the, here's the, whole, the whole sermon in a nutshell. Genesis 11 and 6. God is saying to me right now that, 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 that if we can get of one mind and one purpose, there's nothing impossible that we cannot accomplish. Let's read it again. Back to Babel. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they began to do this, then nothing they plan to do 
will be impossible for them. Anything that God gives you, it may be impossible for you in the flesh, but if it's done for His glory, He's in it. Your language. You, speak, you pray in tongues, keep praying in tongues. If you don't, pray that you get that gift. And if He doesn't give it to you, that's, that's between Him and you. There, there's certain people that He gives it to. I want to close with this. I want to show you how powerful it is. After the day of Pentecost, y'all remember that event? We find that Peter and John, that they came to the gate called Beautiful. And there's a beggar at the gate begging for money, begging for alms for the poor. Alms for the poor? Alms for the poor? And Peter looks at him, and he says, you know, silver and gold have I not. But what I do have, I give you in the mighty name of Jesus. He reaches down, and he grabs this man by the hand, and he begins to stand up and walk for the first time. Listen, at this point, people begin coming from every direction. The Bible says that over 5,000 people were saved. Dude, if 5,000 people got saved today through this message, I'd, I'd pass out. I would pass out if five people got saved. But, but I can't even get my mind around 5,000 people. And so what I'm saying, I'm talking, I'll say it to my brother, my drummer. Man, if we can write a song, Completely led, not in the flesh, but by that still small voice of God, by the Holy Spirit. If we can touch 5,000 people and people's lives are changed through one song, think about it. What a difference we can make in this world. Because when I'm gone and when Jothus is gone, our music will continue to play on and on and on. That's how come music is so important. Music does not die. Like I know some of y'all still listen to Elvis. Come on, amen. Some of y'all may listen to Buddy Holly. He may have been gone years, but his music is still available. Y'all stand up with me right now if you would. I'm going to read Acts 4 and 32. In that story, it says these words. All the believers were in one heart and mind, and no one claimed of their own possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Whatever God has given you, whatever gift it is, He's given it to you for a purpose. Your gift, whatever it is that, that God has given you, it, it does not belong in a jar hidden in the closet. But, but if God has given you something, as little as it may be, it may not mean nothing to nobody else, but if you use that gift, I can promise you life's 
will be changed. Terry said, there's no way I can write this book, but, but I'm going to write it because the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to write it. And he wrote it, and, and, and lives are being changed by the testimony of one man. Come on, amen. God has just opened up a new door for Roger to go into a new facility to preach the gospel to the prisoners in Bonham. Because he believes God can do impossible things. This message right now is going to go into Germany, into Holland, into Russia, up in North Washington this week, next week. And, and, and even though I'm not there, the message is still going to speak to somebody. And every time you, you, you contribute to that little offering plate, everything that we do has a purpose. And so when you share what God has given you to share, it makes a difference. See, you don't understand the food bank until you're hungry. When you look in the cabinet or you open it, you know, we love opening up the icebox. We're full and we still open it up. Just to look in. But, but you see, when you open up the icebox and it's empty, there's nothing worse. But I'm here to tell you, when you have a church who contributes dollars and money to, to something that can feed a family, their Thanksgiving was not empty. I'm saying that if God moves you to do something, I had a friend give me a knife. It means nothing to nobody, but, but because he gave it to me, it blessed my soul. Come on, amen. Something little that you think is not important is important to somebody. I met Jotha's wife this morning for the first time on iPhone. The reception, she's in India. I'm saying, hey. But it blessed my soul because I've been praying for her for over four months now that God would bring her to America to live with her husband. And I'm going to continue to pray until she walks in that door hand in hand with her husband. And I'm not going to quit until she's here. But I'm thinking right now, if you're part of this body, and I know you are, what if we all begin to pray? Bring Jotha's wife home. And we all get on the same page. We're all in one accord, in one spirit, in one mind, and we get fired up about it. I can promise you we will see the hand of God move. Because there's not a child that God does not listen to who said, Lord, I'm hungry. See if he don't give you some bread. Come on, amen. I'm saying right now, if God is speaking to you and you need prayer, you need to be saved, don't wait till next week. Don't wait. You may not have tomorrow. I'm saying right now, if you need Jesus Christ in your Lord, as your Lord and your Savior, you need to be saved and set apart and filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So every eye closed and every head is bowed. I'm just going to ask you plain and simple. Is Jesus right now, right now knocking at your heart's door saying, let me in. And if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just ask you to please come down.
Because Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. Don't be ashamed. Take that step of faith and he'll meet you at the cross. Let's go ahead and pray for Joseph's wife right now as a body of believers. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this woman of God. Lord, you said in your word that you'll make a way when there is no way. You are the way maker, Jesus. And we ask right now, God, that you would open up doorways, that you'll shut the devil down, and that you'll bring this woman of God to America. And Lord, when she comes to her, let her be a blessing to all that she speaks to, all that she touches, and let his children and her fall in love, and let their family be a whole. Bless them in the mighty name of Jesus from the north, south, east, and west. I pray for my new brother right here just came for the first time. I pray for Mr. Lamb right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Said he had broke his back years ago, and God, you got him here standing up healthy. I pray for his lungs right now in the name of Jesus. I pray healing and health over him, Lord. I pray that you'd give him the power to drop anything that would cause damage to his life, Lord. Give him the power to walk away from wickedness, but to walk in truth. Bless him in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I pray this morning for, for, for Terry's daughter. I'm so excited to meet her today for the first time. And Lord, I know that you have a great plan for her life, and I speak over her right now, Lord. Bless her, oh God. Touch her life. Give her prosperity, Lord. Bless her so that she can be a blessing to others, Lord. Help her to go where she desires to go. Give her the desires of her heart, Lord. Make a way when there is no way, Lord. Regardless of what anybody sees, Lord, you see a winner in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for all the testimonies that come to me weekly, Lord, and continue to bless your people in the mighty name of Christ and go with us this, this week, God, and help us to be in one mind and with one language of love and bless us in the mighty name of Jesus and God's people said amen and amen. You guys have a blessed week.